0: For our scripture reading this morning, we turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Psalm 37, in many ways, is similar to Psalm 73, the Psalm we get when we reverse the order of the numbers. It is, however, different. Obviously, this one calls us not to be afraid or to be envious of the ungodly and the wicked even those who would be against the righteous and we're reading this psalm because it does concern our earthly physical well-being but it's also about spiritual matters because there's a connection and this speaks about the blessedness of the citizens of God's Kingdom and that's why too you will find a number of the Beatitudes that are found in this psalm. In fact it could be argued that every single one of the Beatitudes could be derived easily from this psalm but you'll certainly find some of them in the exact words as Jesus quotes them in Matthew 5. Let's read the psalm fret not thyself because of evil doers neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb trust in the lord and do good so shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. And He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself, because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, But the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke shall they consume away. The wicked borroweth, And payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy, and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil, and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord, and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power, and spreading himself like a green bay tree, yet he is passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, For the end of that man is peace, but the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them, because they trust in him. We read that far in God's holy word. We consider this morning the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 50. What is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread, that is, be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body, that we may thereby acknowledge Thee to be the only fountain of all good, and that neither our care nor industry nor even Thy gifts can profit us without Thy blessing. And therefore that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it alone in Thee. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we have gone through the Lord's Prayer and the meaning of its various petitions we have seen that prayer concerns not simply ourselves but God. In fact, prayer which makes requests for ourselves is even mainly about God. Not simply ourselves. And there's a connection between the petitions that we make although distinct and separate they are related we saw that in the first three petitions that they all concerned God God's name his kingdom and his will and now we turn to petitions that more concern us yet at the same time we have seen that those petitions about God concern us we pray for God's name his will and his kingdom with regard to ourselves it's not simply that God's name is glorified his name is hallowed and it's connected to his will being done and his kingdom coming but that is our blessedness That is our salvation. That is our deliverance. We cannot be saved or delivered. We cannot enjoy spiritual blessedness and happiness unless that's done with regard to God's kingdom and His name and His will. Well, it should not surprise us then that when now we turn to those petitions that more directly pertain to us, that they're not disconnected, and have nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven, with God's name and His glory. Such is the connection between ourselves and God. This is due to the very fact that we are the children of God who are united to Him through Christ by faith. Therefore, as it were, God's well-being and our well-being are tied together. And they're recognized by faith. True faith doesn't pray to God even about bread without considering the implications and even necessity of that with regard to one's spiritual well-being. And Indeed, it's even on the foreground. The individual that would simply go to God and pray for bread because his stomach needs to be filled is really no different than the individual that would pray to God and never even pray for God's name and His kingdom and His will. That would be an idolater. Such as worshiping an idol. This connection between our needs and God's desires, His will and our will, between the earthly and the spiritual, is found throughout Scripture. Jesus teaches about it in The Sermon on the Mount, we find it in Psalm 37, and it's found also here in the Heidelberg Catechism. I hope you noticed that, that the prayer itself is simply about bread. And then if you look at how God grants that request, our fathers and we with them don't simply confess, well, then God answers our prayer by granting us daily bread, which He does. But notice the spiritual blessing of that. He does that so that we may acknowledge Him to be the fountain of all good. That concerns God's name and His kingdom and His will, doesn't it? And that we recognize that we need God's blessing. We don't simply need bread from Him, we need His blessing. And it even has to do with withdrawing our trust, including our happiness, making our happiness dependent upon bread. So we'll consider those things and many others this morning as we consider this prayer for daily bread. The prayer for daily bread, for what we pray, how God grants that prayer, and finally, why we ask, why we make that prayer. The Heidelberg Catechism says that the bread for which we petition God is really for all things necessary for soul and for or all things necessary for the body. And that's an important thing to take a look at. Because in the first place, It rightly extends the request for bread to all earthly things that we need for our body. It's not simply that our stomachs need to be full in order to live or have a certain amount of sustenance in order to live. But we need clothing for our bodies. We need shelter for our heads. We need health. We need strength. Everything that is necessary to keep the body alive is included in the prayer for bread. At the same time, we're going to see, especially in our second point, that this isn't simply a request for earthly needs either. It is amazing how often we have seen that in our confessions including the Heidelberg Catechism that the needs for the soul and the body are connected so that even when we pray about the needs of the body in our heart and soul by faith is the needs we have for our soul also and we should recognize that we should recognize the wonderful position of Scripture and therefore the reformed faith of how a Christian views himself in how he stands before God it's not this that a child of God being regenerated and therefore a new creature and really a spiritual creature a creature from heaven a creature who is really an alien down here he is born from above his essence at his core, he is a spiritual being, doesn't take this position that therefore everything pertaining to the body is of no account, no consequences. It's not my concern. In fact, if someone were to pray about the things of the body whatsoever, they would, in this opinion, not be very spiritual. They would be earthly-minded this view would see the things of this earth really even as a certain evil either because this world is sin-cursed so that to have the things of this world in any amount even daily bread is really a necessary evil or the view that while well, we do need these things but we're not going to pray about them we're not going to be concerned about them we're not going to be really pay attention to them whatsoever, but be aloof, completely aloof with regard to our earthly needs. That's not the view of the Christian, the child of God, that's presented by our Lord and by implication of the Lord's prayer, or we when we make it. Our fathers, by leaving out the matters of the soul explicitly, are making clear that when we pray for daily bread, we're praying for earthly, physical things. We're not praying about heavenly bread. We're not praying about that manna from heaven. We're not praying about the kind of bread that we eat at the Lord's table. But simply, earthly, physical needs for our body. That's a legitimate item and matter of prayer before the Lord. And anyone who says otherwise for whatever reason, has perverted the gospel truth concerning the child of God and matters of prayer. That needs to be pointed out. At the same time, it should be clear from the exposition of the Heidelberg Catechism that a child of God who makes a prayer even for earthly physical needs and necessities for his body needs to have the same view and understanding with regard to his soul that a person or an individual who would go to God about all their earthly needs and do so rightly with the understanding that only God can provide and only God can give them but doesn't understand the connection between that and his soul and his soulish needs doesn't understand that he's a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and that his essence is spiritual now that's brought out elsewhere in our creeds in the Heidelberg Catechism explicitly even with regard to God's providence here it's implied implied very strongly but we must see it notice that our fathers know sooner than saying what the prayer means, this is a petition for bread, that is, it's a petition for all the earthly necessities for our body, goes on and talks about all kinds of matters pertaining to the soul. The whole rest, really, of the article is about issues of the soul, issues with regard to faith, Issues with regard to how we receive that bread. It pertains to the blessing of God, acknowledging who God is, not putting our trust in these things. So that's really the first thing that we have to recognize with regard to this petition that it does have a twofold aspect to it. It concerns bread for the body, but also bread for the soul it does pertain to that so closely are these matters tied with regard to us and who we are in this world now a couple of things about this petition first of all it's about bread our Lord for a reason says pray for bread not even meat not even corn and wine and oil not even for clothes and shelter, but just bread. By that, the Lord is teaching us something very important, and that is that it's no easier to pray this petition than it is the other petitions, or to put it another way, that according to the flesh, according to who you and I are by nature, it is as impossible to make this petition as it is the other petitions if we should imagine to ourselves that we can leave out in our prayers a petition for God's name and kingdom and will and pray only for earthly bread and that's much easier that we can do one would be sadly mistaken because then one doesn't understand what the Lord is actually praying for What he means is simply this, that what you need really, essentially, just for today, is a certain amount of bread. We would put it in terms of calories. And if you have that, and really nothing else, let's leave aside now a shelter, Because surely if you have bread, you can live without shelter for a time. Even if you have bread, but you are naked, you can live for a certain amount of time. And there are Christians that have demonstrated that. Then God has fulfilled this request. That needs to be pointed out because of how we look at things if we don't have an extra loaf of bread in the cupboard then we imagine to ourselves that God has somehow cheated us. God has not answering our prayers. God has shut the doors of heaven. And we are accustomed not only to praying for bread, but bread loaded with peanut butter and jelly. And not just bread, but now we want all kinds of sweets and goodies. We think God Cheats us. We think God is not being good to us. God is being stingy. If we would have only food for this week. You can see how much different Jesus our Lord is from many of the preachers today who pretend to preach for Him, who make the entire gospel a matter of health and wealth, pray for bread, just daily bread? We need to extend ourselves. We need to pray for more than that, trusting that God will provide those things too. No, not really. Not at all. I can assure you that if you go to God and pray for more than you need, He will not answer that prayer. Not as such. He may give you more than you need, but He will ignore and turn His back on a prayer that goes beyond what you need. Do we understand that? Do we really, truly understand that? Do we really, truly understand what it means to add according to thy will when we go beyond daily bread? It is not a crest for luxuries. Now certainly, that goes beyond bread. Our Lord recognizes it. Our fathers recognize it. Certainly it includes clothing, but not closets full of them. Certainly it includes transportation today, but not garages full of cars and vehicles. See how everything is put in its perspective by this request. Implied by that is we ought to be content with that. So if you find within your heart, if you find within your life discontent, impatience, jealousy and envy over what others have, or because you don't really know how God is going to provide next week or even tomorrow, then that's unbelief. We need to recognize that. We have to recognize that in our day, much of our anxiety, much of our worry is self-created not only, but it's unbelief. Wait on the Lord. We read how many times in Psalm 37. Fret not. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. And that was concerning enemies who are actually threatening you, threatening to pound down your house and burn it to the ground. But we fret and and we're anxious if our car isn't as big as the neighbor's car or our house isn't as big as the majority of the congregation. We fret and worry if we get sick. Even if we're alive today, we worry about tomorrow. And so when the Lord says pray for bread and then adds for this day he's teaching us a lot. A lot about ourselves spiritually as children of God, as children of heaven. That if our hearts and in our souls even while that comes across our lips are expecting much more than that there's something wrong with us something seriously wrong with us and we have to understand that at the outset oh yes O lord provide us with all things necessary for the body but now limit it to that and let's not do this either say well of course Of course I'm not going to ask God for the latest model SUV and and I want the Denali version of it too. With the leather and the AC and all the goodies. Of course I'm not gonna pray for that, but when we don't have it, then we're well, we're gonna work for it. We're gonna strive for it. I'm gonna put in more hours, I'm gonna save my money, I'm gonna put less in the collection plate when I ought to be involved in spiritual things, when I ought to be attending spiritual events, I'm rather shopping or trying to come up with the funds with which I can shop, or working myself in debt. That's idolatry. That's wickedness. That's unrighteousness. And then when you pray, give us this day our daily bread, you're a hypocrite, and I'm a hypocrite when we do that. See how prayer is a matter of faith, beloved? One can no more by themselves pray for the earthly matters as a Christian than the matters of God's name and His kingdom and His will, because all of these things must be subject to that. should keep in mind that when we make this Prayer also, the child of God, has in mind that God dispenses these things according to His own will and His way. We tend to look at things and imagine to ourselves that unless we all have equal amounts and equal quantities, that things are unfair, things aren't the way they ought to be. That again is our coveting and that often leads to stealing. It leads to and jealousy and all such things. But a child of God who truly understands the kingdom of heaven and how God works understands when he makes this prayer that God indeed does shower some of us with way, way more than one needs. God does that for his reason. Because that individual might actually need more. Maybe, perhaps, because that man is running a business, employing many other Christians, or he has a larger family than most. God knows what he's doing. And we tend to forget, too, that when God gives much, he requires much. God often gives to us more than we need so that we, in turn, can give it, can show ourselves to be children of our generous heavenly. Father, all these things are part and parcel of this petition. And notice also, and our fathers reflect that, we even pray for others in this prayer. Jesus deliberately did not say, give me this day my daily bread. But even when an individual child of God all by himself in his own closet and in his own house prays for his earthly needs, prays with a view to others. Give, O Lord, us our daily bread. Even as God has in mind not simply the individual, God has in mind the community, the church, His whole body, He looks over his whole flock, and so also a member of that flock really never goes before the Lord in prayer, even with regard to his own earthly physical needs and his own particular body exclusively. Again, the Lord is pointing out how different faith is than we are by nature. By nature, we are selfish and we are only concerned about ourselves. And the Lord's saying there's no place for that in prayer. Even when you go to Him in prayer, be thinking about others. And that's how it is, of course, when God gives us much more. The child of God with true faith recognizes that. Recognizes God gave me much more than I asked for. I asked for bread today, and God has filled my cupboards, God has filled my home and family with good things, and I will now be a means, an instrument in His hand to give to others. Those who lack, those who need, they don't just happen. Those kinds of Christians are found already in prayer. In their initial petitions, we think of the body, of the corporate body. Now, what's interesting is how God grants this request. God grants this request, of course, by giving us our daily bread. That should be noted. That should be noted that God gives us daily bread in the way of asking for daily bread. Now, why does God do that? Because God is like a vending machine where our asking for daily bread is like the lever that releases the candy bar out of the machine to fall into our lap? No. It is a means by which God provides, but our prayer itself does not cause us or cause God to give us our daily bread. And God makes that pretty clear when in the first place He provides for many their daily bread who never pray to Him. The ungodly and the wicked never pray to God for daily bread. There's many who call themselves Christians who don't pray to God for daily bread. They're praying for much more. They're praying for witches and wealth and all kinds of earthly gifts from God. And God gives them those things whether they ask or they ask wrongly. Certainly God is capable of providing our daily bread without our asking. He does that to the infants. He does that to the children. God makes this the way in which He grants for a number of reasons. The chief of which is that we recognize where bread comes from then. There's something about that. There's something about asking God that is a reminder to us that God grants what we ask because of who He is. God wants us to remember that. God wants us to view Him always as Father and ourselves as children and therefore that we are always dependent upon Him. And notice, that's what comes out in the catechism. So, be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body. Our, our fathers could have said amen right there. We're done. But notice they add the word that. Now that's significant. What it's saying is, number one, that when the child of God makes this prayer, he has himself these things in mind, but also God provides our daily bread in response to prayer to work these things. There's a connection. There's a cause and effect, as it were. God grants this request by working something spiritual, by doing something with us with regard to our faith. And in the first place, it's that we may thereby acknowledge Thee to be the only fountain of all good. So when we pray to God for our daily bread and God provides that daily bread and the faith sees it, then faith acknowledges that God is the only fountain of all good. That means every good that I have comes from God. It doesn't come from the government. It doesn't come from my neighbor. It doesn't come from my own hard work and industry even. It comes from God. Now notice our fathers don't say Well, because God is the only fountain of all good, and we acknowledge that, that we ignore then our care and industry. God indeed is the fountain of all good. All things come from Him, but God is pleased to use means, including the means of care and industry. That is, hard work, labor. God provides corn and wine and oil. By the farmer plowing his field and planting the seed and weeding his garden, harvesting the olives and pressing them. But faith, faith that prays for our daily bread, acknowledges that all those things came from God. It also acknowledges that God used all those things as means. It's not the case that God is the flowing fountain of all good with regard to earthly things so that God Himself, without the use of beans, provides your bread. That's nonsense. Even the Christian farmer, we would say, is a fool who would say this, well, because I prayed for daily bread and that bread comes from God, uh, therefore, I'm not going to go get seed I'm not going to till my field and plant the seed and water it and weed it and then harvest it. I don't need to do any of those things. And in fact, if you say I have to do those things, then you're saying that those things are conditions to my receiving my daily bread. That's nonsense. That's the means, the ordinary way that God provides for us, and they're not conditions to those things, as even a child could tell you. God provides the means too. Does that farmer who plant his seed make the seed to grow? Or does God do that? Does that farmer make the rain and sunshine that causes the plants to flourish and produce fruit? Does the farmer conjure up the energy out of his own force to do the harvest? Of course not. And yet God says, if you're going to eat, you must work. And yet, faith always says God is the fountain of all this good. That's an acknowledgment that I have no right to it. That if I'm a Christian farmer... And I would say, God must give me a harvest and God must put this bread on my table because of all the hard work I do. I'm a fool. I'm an unbeliever. When I go to my table and I look at what's spread across it, I don't say, look at all this food that my hands have put on my table. No, that's an acknowledgement that God put it there. He was pleased to use me. He was. Please to give me a job and give me the wherewithal and the desire to go work? Give me a wife that would help me prepare it? How often we forget that, don't we? How often we as children have folded our hands or on the dinner table and prayed, Lord, provide us this day our daily bread. We say amen and we go, what, this again? We don't like what Mom prepared for us today. Can we have something else? That again is unbelief. That is unthankfulness, ingratitude, not simply to mother and father, but God. Notice it builds from there that it includes, therefore, that neither our care nor industry nor even thy gifts can profit us without thy blessing. This, too, is important. As I mentioned before, it acknowledges that God is pleased to give us things through our care and industry. That's true. It also acknowledges that everything God gives us is a gift. That is, I don't have the right to have it. And that it must therefore be a gift, not simply in terms of the end product, but that all the care and industry is God's gift. God gives me all the things necessary to receive my daily bread. Even the children of Israel learned that. When God rained manna from heaven, they had to go out and gather it, put it in baskets. That was all the gift of God too. And then when they didn't see that gift, didn't recognize that gift in their unbelief, God had a way of showing that also. When they would gather it without faith, saying, I need enough for two days, not just one day, God made that food bad. But notice that none of those things profit it without His blessing. You see, God's gift is one thing, His blessing is another. To confuse a gift of God, even a good gift of God, with His blessing is to make a grave, grave mistake. This is the very message of Psalm 73 and Psalm 37. Why is it that we're often envious or we frat? about the ungodly or others? Answer is, because like the psalmist in Psalm 73, we assume, we make the mistake, the serious mistake of imagining that gifts are evidence of God's blessing. That's not true. It can't be true. If that were true, then God blesses every individual. Then God blesses everyone in the whole wide world. And that's not true. God only blesses the members of His kingdom. Who are, according to Jesus, those who are blessed? Who are those, according to Psalm 37, that are blessed? Is it those with food and drink? Is blessing according to how many gifts one has? Or how many good things God has given? No, it's not measured by that at all. Blessedness has to do with God's favor God's attitude toward someone and in all of Scripture even in the passage we read that man who has just a little who's a righteous man that is who has faith and to whom God has imputed the righteousness of his own son has way way more that is is far more blessed than the individual that has treasure rooms full of good gifts from God. Faith that makes its petition recognizes it. And if one doesn't, then one quickly will become filled with anxiety and frets and doubts and worries and all these things that get us into trouble. You see, what we seek is God's blessing. Even when we pray for daily bread... Implied in that petition, and what God works by that petition, is bless me, Lord. Give this food and drink, give this clothing and shelter in such a way that I'm blessed by it. And implied by that is, if it's to my detriment, take it away. Don't give me too much so that I become idolatrous. And put my trust in these things. Or even put my trust in the means God uses. Myself, my hard work and in industry. Notice how that even follows. That's the, second, the third thing there really. That therefore we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it alone in Thee. You see how that follows? If I can see that there's a distinction, a huge and essential distinction between the thing itself, the good gift and God's blessing, then I won't put my trust in them either. And notice how important that is. Notice how that's ruled out by the very prayer itself. How can one pray to God for daily bread when he trusts in the bread itself? Let's put it another way. Will one even truly ever go to God and ask Him for the things necessary for the body, let alone the soul? If one is trusting in the thing itself, the answer is no. And we ought to examine ourselves in this regard. Again, we need to learn about our own prayers. Why is it that even we ourselves, often when we're done with prayer, feel as if we hadn't said anything? And the answer is because we haven't said anything. Certain words came out of our mouth, certain things went through our mind. They were just formalism. They were just going through the motions. Far from our heart is that God is the fountain of all good. That not even our care or industry or the gifts God gives, the good gifts God gives, can profit us without His blessing. Keep in mind what that means. If something is not a blessing for you, then it's a curse for you. There's no middle ground here. If God showers you with all kinds of things, there may be plenty of people that look at you and say, how blessed. That man has more money than he'll ever be able to give away, even in a lifetime. That man has everything. He needs nothing. He surely is blessed. But the man is cursed. All that stuff will drag him down to hell. Puts his trust in it. You see, it's all about God. It's always about God. The question always is, do you trust in God? Or something other than God? And those are the only two things. And that's what we're asking here. And why we ask two. Ultimately, why is it the Lord teaches us to make this prayer? Why is it that the Heidelberg Catechism is teaching you to make this your prayer? Why is it that we are learning that really when it comes to our earthly physical needs, you can cover it all in one brief little line, give us this day our daily bread? Why? Because we need these things. We need them for our soul. We need them for our faith as much as we need earthly bread. And God teaches us that, even with regard to these petitions. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, O Lord, we thank Thee for Thy Word, which is the bread by which we live. And we pray also for our daily bread this day, that we might also live And we pray that in such a way, O Lord, that we acknowledge that we need these things for our body, that Thou art the only one who can supply them, and that we desire Thy blessing with them. And we pray most of all that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures, all means, and all goods and gifts, and place it alone in Thee. That is our prayer. For Jesus' sake, amen.